it was a fire lit inside me. It was a, like a calling. Like, God was like, all right, you have to do this. I just knew that I couldn't let another child, another family, have this happen to them. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Total Michigan, where we interview ordinary Michiganders doing some pretty extraordinary things. I am your host, Cliff Duvinois. Today, we're going to go in a little bit of a different direction. Usually, we talk to uh, business owners or nonprofits, uh, but today's story is a little bit different. And I'm going to warn you right now that today's story is going to be a little bit tough. So if you've got any kind of sensitive issues or anything, especially when it comes to child, child welfare, you might want to skip this one because today's interview is going to be tough. But her story is so compelling, and it is something that I personally believe that every parent out there needs to hear. Uh, because that, believe it or not, it affects every child, uh, not only in the state of Michigan, but across the U.S. So with that being said, a handful of years ago, there's there came this thing out that's called uh, All About Wyatt's Law. And today I actually have uh, the woman who spearheaded Wyatt's Law on the show today to talk about uh, the history and to share her story. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Erica Hamill McLaughlin. Erica, how are you? Hi, Cliff. I'm great. How are you? I am doing awesome. Thank you for asking. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up? I live in St. Clair Shores, Michigan, um, and that is about, um, it's just a suburb of Detroit. I'm about, I'm literally 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes north of downtown Detroit. I grew up in Gross Point Woods, which is basically next door to here. I've always lived in the east side. I love being close to the city, but also um, Lake St. Clair is two minutes from my house, so I love being close to water. Just, I've lived here my whole life. And uh, did you go to college? My plan was to go to college. My mom passed away when I was 16. My mom passed away when I was in high school. That had a really, really big, big impact on me. I had imagine it would. In, yes, I and I, um, I had gotten into Michigan State. I went to Michigan State for a hot second. It was too much, too big. I decided to leave. I did a little more school here, and then I just decided that college wasn't for me, and I decided to work full time. Would have never thought that I, I would be that way, but that just was the way things happened. So, yeah. Certainly. And then at some point in time, you met your first husband. Yes. Yes. I um, And I think that's part of the reason also I was married very young. I met my uh, ex-husband when I was 18. We were married when I was 22, which is this day, day and age, that's that's so young. And my aunts and uncles were all married in their early 20s. My parents, you know, I had a lot of life happen to me when I was 16. Like I said, losing my mother and everything yes. that came with that. And um, I think some of some of that maybe made me want to settle down a little sooner. Find, find kind of like, I don't want to say fill that empty void I had, but maybe, you know. Have a family of your own. Have a family of my own. My, I was yeah exactly and i knew i want always wanted to be a mother i had the best mother and i wanted to be a mother always since i was a little girl so i was married at 22 years old and um my i i married in in my church i married everybody nobody everyone thought my husband at the time was great um never thought i would end up in the situation that i did so you you went ahead and you you've got married mm -hmm. and then god blessed you with the child Yes, God blessed me with a child. He was a planned baby. My husband at the time and I knew when we wanted kids. And I had, I always told people I had this vision of having 
three children by before I was 30. And then I, you know, <laughs> I would be good to go, you know, like then I've had two kids young and, you know, I, um, certainly, um, that that's, that was my plan, but that's, that's not what happened, but yeah, was married in 2010 and why it was born October of 2012. At some point in time, things just weren't working out with your husband and you split. It really happened out of nowhere. I would say, so like I said, why it was born October, 2012, my, um, husband at the time in, about, in February just picked up and he would say, I was trying to find myself, you know, fatherhood hit me hard. I don't know what to do. You know, and I would encourage him to come home and he never would come home. And I, I was very young and naive and I was giving him all this space, probably way more grace also than I should have. But I was it, over the next couple months, you know, it wasn't getting any better. And I have brought up an affair if you or were you having an affair and he denied it denied it denied it again I'm just writing this thing out and it ended up we're now in like the spring of 2013 I had somebody randomly I went to high school with on Facebook message me and tell me that she and she snapped pictures of my ex-husband in a bar with kissing some other woman I didn't want to file for divorce I wanted him to because I he was throwing away the marriage but I I just had to do what I had to do. And once that happened, he all of a sudden had got even more nasty, wanted to be in Wyatt's life, wanted to take Wyatt when he had been just gone for months. The woman my ex-husband was seeing who had a, he had an affair with, I was I heard some rumors. The rumor that really struck me was that she did not have custody of her own children. And it didn't really make sense to me because when I would drop Wyatt off with his dad, she would be there and her kids would be there. Her three children were there. So I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense, but it's just stuck with me in that feeling, that mother's intuition, right. that yes. something wasn't right. And again, Wyatt's just a baby. And, you know, I'm dealing with all sorts of things. I'm dealing with the fact that I just became like an overnight single mom and knowing, you know, it's so frustrating knowing, like I said, like I felt like I did everything right and it just was so unfair and. But unfortunately, like it was just the way things were. Um, but again, I could not stop thinking about the woman that he was dating. And um, I tried during that summer, we had our custody hearing and I tried to pull up everything I could on her. I Googled her name. Um, I searched her on Otis, which is the offender tracking information system, which would basically see if she had served prison time. I searched her on the sex offender registry. I definitely did not. I didn't have her birth date. Um, it's 2013, so I feel like I would. I mean, back then, I don't. I was not even like as that social media tech savvy. Um, she had a common name. Bottom line, I went in front of a referee, and I wanted to prevent overnight visits from my ex-husband having him overnight, just because I didn't trust her. My ex had obviously the right to have time with him, and they gave him overnight visits. So. Here we are, summer of 2013, and basically we had 60-40 split, but Wyatt was getting overnights with him, and at that point, I felt like I did everything I could, and at this point, I just had to trust that his dad would keep him safe, and I had to reevaluate my life and try to figure out how to start life again as a single mom. Yes, yes. As, as you know, like I said, my baby, my baby who's not even, not even one yet. 
I have to be away from him. And I can I, I try telling that to any mother who just has a baby. It, it was terrible. Everything about this was terrible. Um, And I felt like as I was just starting to find my way and get used to things, unfortunately, November 1st, 2013 came around. And um, what happened on that day was I, I didn't have Wyatt. That was his dad's weekend. It was a Friday. Um, I got a phone call very early in the morning and it was from my ex, Wyatt's dad. And he said that Wyatt was being rushed to Children's Hospital. He was breathing funny. That's all he said. And I was like, did he have an allergic reaction to what, what's going on? And my ex just said, I have no idea. I'm at, um, I'm going to the hospital right now. And I'm saying, who was he with? Who was he with? Wouldn't tell me wouldn't answer my question. I remember hand, I hanging up the phone and I remember my body going into like, it just started to shake. It was just like I was panicking. Right. Um, so my brother came and picked me up and went to the hospital, got to Children's Hospital. I walked in the ER doors and I was stopped by a member of the neurosurgery team. They introduced themselves and they said, Erica, um, we have to tell you something. Your son's about to be prepped to go into emergency surgery. Um, and he's very critical right now. He he suffered a massive brain bleed. And we are um, almost 100% positive it was due to non-accidental head trauma, which is also known as shaken baby syndrome, just from the preliminary scans they could tell. And then they were able to obviously prove with more testing. But um, I I literally, I just fell to, to my knees and I um, couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was literally... My worst nightmare had come true. You know, you go into the ER and then someone from the, the neuroscience team. Yeah, neurosurgery. Yeah. I mean, wow, this is like a long gap between like, hey, he, you know, he fell and stumbled and skinned his knee or something. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I, I'm just trying to fathom like you walking in there and saying, hi, I'm with the, yes, you know, I'm the neurosurgery like, team. What? It, that's exactly, I think that's a perfect way. And, you know, no one's ever actually commented on that, but it's it's so true because you plan to be actually escorted to the bed that he's laying in right away because you think, you right. know, okay. But instead I'm stopped because my, I mean, my son literally, he, he essentially, his case came into the prosecutor's office as a homicide because they were not expecting him to make it. Uh, for our audience, we're going to take a quick break and thank our sponsors. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a lot more about uh, Wyatt's road to recovery, um, as well as the law that's passed to protect us all. So we'll see you after the break. Are you enjoying these amazing stories? Michigan is full of people that are doing some pretty extraordinary things. If you want these amazing stories sent directly to your inbox, head over to TotalMichigan.com, enter your email address and get them today. What are you going to get? I'm glad you asked. First, you're going to join our awesome Michigan community. Second, you will get an email that includes the top five interviews from the show sent directly to your inbox. Third, you're going to get exclusive behind the scenes information about the show. There's a lot of things that are happening to grow this movement beyond the confines of just a radio show and a podcast. You'll get advanced notice of upcoming guests and early access to their interviews. Now, to get all these goodies, just head over to TotalMichigan.com slash join. Enter your email address and join our awesome community today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Total Michigan, where we talk to ordinary Michiganders doing some pretty extraordinary things. I'm your host, Cliff Duvinois. Today, we are talking with Erica Hamill McLaughlin, the person who spearheaded Wyatt's Law, the law that's protecting uh, every child and every parent out there 
Erica, before the break, is that you said that the, that this case had already been referred to a prosecutor as a homicide. Yes. And I didn't I didn't know this then. I just I found out that after and in, in court so proceedings. Was there a, like a lot of not expectation that why it was going to survive? Yeah, absolutely not. Anybody that you can talk to, a CPS, to prosecutor, detectives, they all will tell you they why it was not expected to make it. Obviously, when you're when you're a parent at the hospital, the child's still alive, about to go in surgery. They're all all they can say is he's critical. We're doing gonna he's in the best place possible. Yes, We're yes. gonna do everything we can. And I mean that's all, that's a good thing to me because I wouldn't want to be like, hey, I don't you know they don't know, but they they were very adamant about going to go see him before surgery to give him a kiss and but it was it was tough and it's even more tough because when a case of child abuse or suspected child abuse comes into a hospital the hospital because they're mandated reporters have to call the police and they have to call cps so instead of being able to sit with my family i was pulled into another room to be interviewed i've always had um a really positive experience with CPS. They, I mean, they were they were just doing their jobs. When the police got involved, um, I was. They then told me um, the bomb that I essentially this was what my gut was feeling that I didn't have proof or no, and that was that Rachel, who hurt my son, she had been charged and convicted. That's very very clear. Charged and convicted previously of child abuse. So she in 2011 had been charged and convicted of a third degree child abuse charge which is a felony um she only received probation and fines so that sentence was given to her probation and fines on that fourth degree charge 10 days before she got her hands on Wyatt oh sweet Uh, Moses but still like it's so crazy to me knowing what I know um now you know about her history and the mother of the other little boy that she abused. Her name's Christine Cadlitz, and Christine ended up, you know, I'll talk a little bit about she ended up joining my my cause and help them push for this because, I mean, Rachel was just a monster, is a monster. I mean, she is just somebody that should have been locked up a long time ago. Like I said, we were at Children's Hospital in Detroit for seven weeks. Love Children's Hospital. They saved his life. But, you know, Wyatt, we call him Wyatt the Warrior. Literally, the name Wyatt means war strength or warrior. So um, it was, Wyatt was always a smiley, happy baby. And there was a period of time in the hospital where he was just staring off into space and not happy. But like a few weeks in, he started to get a smile back. Wyatt was in the hospital for seven weeks and then he was released. CPS had to do an investigation. They tried, they fought, we had to go through a trial of termination. They filed a trial to terminate my ex-husband's parental rights on failure to protect but here we go with as our system is very backward the judge at that time chose to not terminate my ex's parental rights even though he clearly failed to protect my son he could have had the opportunity to get back into Wyatt's life he did not um he still has not and that's been for the best once that happened then finally that following June she got arrested and she was charged initially with first degree child abuse um, I was told that she it, it, she was going to poss- be offered a plea deal and how I felt about that. And at first I was like, no, no plea deal. I I don't think, you know, that should happen. Throw the book at her. But then I thought about 
case um, a long time ago, um, the Kaylee Anthony case in Florida. Yes. Um, and all I could think about is how that mother got away with it. And I said to myself, I cannot let her get away with it this time. So the plea deal was a second degree child abuse charge um, with a sentencing guidelines of up to 10 years in prison. And just to know that she would guarantee serve prison time, even though it wasn't the prison time I wanted her to serve, is was something. And she was sentenced 33 months to 10 years behind bars. And 33 months for what she did is just nothing. I mean, 10 years is nothing, but she ended up serving five years. And through this all, like I said, I kept thinking about how the system failed my son and how she had that criminal history of child abuse. And I, how was I not able to pull that up? That's all I kept thinking about. And I thought about the sex offender registry a lot. And I was like, okay, people that sexually abuse children have to register. So why? That was my initial going into this was I wanted to create a child abuser registry for people like her who were convicted of abusing children. And um, you could look it up like the sex offender registry. I was sitting at home and I said, I'm going to create this online petition because this is the only way I knew how to start stuff. And it was a, um, like I said, a grassroots petition, a change.org petition that ended up getting media attention. And Wyatt's prior, everything that happened to Wyatt did not happen, did not, was not in the media at first. When the media approached me about this petition, it was very scary because I had to then open my life up to this world of yes. the media and the public opinion. What was it that made you say... I need to change the law to go um, like that angle. I don't know. I it was a fire lit inside me. It was I and this is where I would say like divine intervention, uh, like a calling, like God was like, all right, you have to do this. I, I don't know how to describe them other than that. It wasn't I just knew that I couldn't let another child, another family have this happen to them when this was so preventable. This was so preventable. I initially thought this was going to, I don't want to say easy, but I initially certainly thought that I thought it was a no brainer. I thought I could go to anybody and they would be like, yes, we're going to make this happen. I learned very quickly my time was going to be spent in Lansing. And I didn't even know a lot about Lansing politics or a lead, like, I, I, a legislature. My state rep at the time, her name was Sarah Roberts, and I wrote her and she asked to meet me up in Lansing in her office and I did took Wyatt there with my dad um had this petition and I remember one of her staff members said nothing like this exists in the United States so we're really having to write this bill out of nowhere and like knowing what goes into a bill (laughs) it's a lot of work this a lawmaker Sarah Roberts she and I she near and dear to my heart one of my mentors one of you know one of the people that believed in me um and then she decided there was another state rep named Derek Miller who was a former prosecutor at the time who actually prosecuted Rachel in a previous case so he came on board and was like yes this when I heard about Wyatt I you know I it completely you know crushed me because I had tried to get her that prison time, and again, she had, you know, got slapped on the wrist. So he got involved, and we wrote, they, I mean, we wrote this legislation out of nothing. So that was such a huge, looking back now, I didn't realize how big that was, but that was huge. We had a press conference. I was like, I was geeked. I was ready to go. I thought thought just because a bill was introduced meant that it was going to happen. And 
boy was I in for the toughest fight of my life. And oh, wow. I had no idea. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And um, I remember Sarah Roberts told me that I would have to do a lot of the legwork myself. She said that they could only do so much as lawmakers, but I would have to do the legwork. So that's when I just started going up to Lansing. And I didn't know what I was doing. Like I said, I was um, I learned about committees. Right. And from what I understand, and it is the hard, uh, you'll never get a committee here. I thought I would never get a committee hearing, but um, I did. I got one committee hearing before this term ended. Um, All I got was a hearing. I didn't get a vote. And then the bills died. And then Sarah Roberts termed out and I was panicking, but I was like, I cannot you know, let this go. And luckily she had known a guy named Kevin Hertel who was running for her seat. And Kevin introduced himself to me and he told me when he ran that this would be the first bills he reintroduced. Nice. And that was, I mean, and, and it was with Kevin, I mean, Kevin Hertel reintroducing the bills were introduced three, three or four times. So just imagine like, just all this work for two years, going up there, talking to people. Um, it's just for them to die. And it was very, I don't know how, people ask me, how did you not give up? And I, like I said, it just goes back to that calling, that divine intervention, feeling like I'm called to make this happen. Christine Cadlitz, who is the other mother um, of the of the boy Rachel was convicted of abusing, uh, started going up with me too. So it was really great to have her and give her story because I'm um, hearing what her son went through um, and just how the system failed her son. And then, you know, everything that happened to Wyatt, you know, what's better than one mother's two mothers and to have her help was just huge. And um, how many lame ducks we, we would stand, I'd stand out there on their marble floor in the galley for hours. I would sit, uh, stand out there all day from um, the moment they would get into session to the moment they would leave. I think when they finally realized that, Jesus, this this woman's not giving up. This woman, she's is, not going away. She's not. <laughs> that's exactly what somebody said to me. She, they're like, "You don't go away." I said, "No, I, I I don't go away, and I will not go away." I said, "No matter how many knows, I am going to come up here every day." The problem was the word registry, and the word registry was just has just been a very controversial word, um, a lot because of the the sex offender registry because there were certain things that were deemed unconstitutional. And so the last set of bills that were introduced, we decided to move away from the separate registry um, because it was it was just going nowhere. We were getting stonewalled. We were even stonewalled by the state police. There was another lawmaker working on rectifying the central registry. Uh, the lawmaker said, well, I'm trying to clean this up. We have to keep the people on this central registry that should be on here. That's where Wyatt's Law came in and we decided to take the central registry and make part of it public, make the part that I needed to access them. Um, but uh, May 5th, 2022, uh, we pa- we got it passed and Governor Whitmer signed it into law. And I had every single legislator say yes to these to this bill, which which is amazing, which is which is a miracle. A parent is listening to this. Yes. Right. And they're like, wow, I had no idea that this was even available to me. Right. Right. Because right? a lot of people still don't. Yeah. Yes. So uh, the, my question to you is, is it a website people go to? Do people have to call or how, do, how does that so work? You go to the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services website. You can literally Google search um, 
MDHHS or whatever, um, Central Registry Wyatt's Law, but there is, um, it's right on their website and it's going to be in the Central Registry section and there's a form you fill out and the form is for parents or caregivers. Um, if you have a suspicion of somebody who's around your child, you have to, you know, whatever, whatever that is, you fill out that form and they give you an email and all you do is fill out the form, scan it and send it to the email and then the department gets back to you. So the date I was it was given to go into effect was November 1st, November 1st, 2022. That's the date why it was abused on was November 1st. And they had no idea. I don't believe in coincidences like I got believe like God and, you know, all that, like everything just lined up and. So it's been one year and um, so that it's been out, and um, we just celebrated 10 years of Wyatt's survivorship. Um, How's he, he doing? So Wyatt is doing amazing. And, um, he has permanent brain damage, so um, he is cognitively impaired, developmentally delayed. He was got vision back in his right eye, but he, he does not have vision in his left. He's, le- he's legally blind in his left eye, so um, that's permanent. He has seizures, but he's happy. And uh, Erica, if somebody's listening to this and they want to follow, uh, you know, your journey online, uh, learn more about why it's law and everything else like that, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Um, they can connect. Um, I have a Facebook group page that's public. It's called Wyatt the Warrior. Um, it's on Facebook. I have I, I I started it just as a way to keep updates of Wyatt's when Wyatt was initially in the hospital and obviously it's grown into this huge thing. Wyatt the Warrior is the best page for it. Erica, I appreciate you so much coming on the show today and uh, telling this rather tough story. Um, But I'm glad because I think because of your tireless efforts that you have made kids safer. So, yes, thank you. For our audience, you can always roll on over to TotalMichigan.com and click on Erica's interview to get the links that she uh, mentioned above. And I'm going to remind you, never underestimate the power of a mother's love. We'll see you next week when we talk to another Michigander doing some pretty extraordinary things. We'll see you then.